Today we have a remarkable guest who is not just an entrepreneur but a true visionary in the world of healthy and plant-based food. We bring you the story of a business leader who has dedicated herself to making plant-based food as accessible as fast food and her company, Health Foodwall, is the embodiment of that commitment. Her journey to creating a brand that stands for wellness and convenience is nothing short of inspiring. She describes her own path to this mission as rooted in personal transformation. She lends nutrition and taste to provide healthy alternatives that are as quick and easy as fast food. What's more, her company, The Health Food Wall, employs cutting-edge tech like intelligent fridges for hassle-free access to plant-based goodness. Recognized as a chance maker, Recognized as a changemaker and a visionary in the food industry, she's on a mission to transform how we eat. Today, we are into her journey and learn how Health Football is refining our approach to nutrition and convenience. So, without further ado, I am Andres Antondura. And I am Shoko Von Kohl. And this is Tomorrow's Bites. To this podcast we're glad that you are here you're a person that strongly believes in your own mission and is dedicated to it but i'm wondering when these personalities were formed in your life and why did they actually emerge well first of all thank you for the lovely introduction andres thank you very much um and yeah the personality traits when have they developed i think someone is strongly formed by uh, external conditions as well as uh, a combination of the external conditions with the personal essence that someone may be born with. Um, and for me, I think individ individualization is really important uh, in personal development as well as in entrepreneurship. So for me, it really started when I embraced who I was instead of looking at others for inspiration. Really nice, really nice answer. Looking into your company, um, that the health food world seems to be really focused on the part of offering plant-based and healthier options. What was for you the turning point in life that made you realize the importance of actually the healthy food and that we need a more plant-based uh, options? Mm, yeah, I, I didn't uh, grow up with healthy food necessarily. Uh, for me, I ate basically the standard teenage diet uh, up until I was 17. And when I was 17, I lived with a beautiful host family in the United States for a year. And when I came back with uh, about 12 kgs of extra pounds or extra kgs um, easily, could have been more, um, I started with my health journey with fitness and nutrition. And I, I just really enjoyed the, the personal development and uh, health development that came with that journey. And I decided to support others with this journey as well. And funnily enough, uh, I, I graduated as a dietitian. Um, I'm not practicing at the moment, but that was what I studied. 
And whenever I'm joining a conversation these days, and I mentioned that I am a graduate uh, as a dietitian, uh, people always come up with stories of how they really are doing a really good job with nutrition. Like, oh, uh, did you know that I lost uh, five kgs last month uh, with cutting sodas, for example? And they're very proud of those little accomplishments, but they make a huge difference in their lives. And they're so proud mentioning that. So for me, it's such a validation that health, nutrition, wellness is is so important in everyone's day-to-day life when everyone's kind of looking for the next way to become more healthy or more sustainably or more feeling just better. Everyone wakes up and has like kind of a mission or thoughts what they are going to do today. When you're waking up this morning, what were in your mind like the first thing of the mo- of, of your day? Yeah, with um, entrepreneurship, uh, the last five years or so, um, mostly I woke up just with a to-do list. I'm very practically uh, built like that. Um, So mostly I wake up and I'm like, this is all my to-dos for today. But then I feel kind of not present. Uh, So my latest practice every morning is just being present and being in the now um maybe switching those to do's with uh, just some happy feelings some affirmations uh, to really start the day on a positive foot and then dive into the to-do list uh, because i'm busy enough uh, and i don't mind that practical part of myself but uh, it, it could be a little overwhelming starting my day like that so now for me every morning waking up starting with some uh positive affirmations and looking to also to your background in your life when did the interest in food start um the real interest was when i studied nutrition and dietetics and i started learning about it um and especially the whole sustainability and the health part um i became a vegetarian quite quickly after starting the study and then also um i had a while where i was very strictly vegan, very strict with the E numbers or the uh, additives, right? Uh, the gluten and everything that was on trend these th- those days. I was very, I was a very nice guest with Christmas. <laughs> I always brought my own food, um, but it did develop this whole um, um, experience of how a lot of people are, uh, are are wanting to eat or having to eat because of allergies, um, and that really set me off. Uh, to this track uh, of becoming a manager at the Eco Plaza and then um, applying for a job as a chef, a yoga teacher, and that really kickstarted the whole health journey up towards health food well. It's more like the health issues that are arising that, that really tricks you. But what other personal values and principles guide your decision-making process, both in life and in business? For me personally, as well as um, my values as an entrepreneur, uh, I think first and foremost is is honesty and truth. I think if you can't have trust and honesty, you you don't have anything. Um, So every partnership, every business decision, I really try to look for this. Is this this truth? Is this honesty? Is this is this real, you know? Um, And that's not something that I started off with, with the entrepreneurship. Um, as a young female founder, first-time founder, um, I, the, the first books I read was uh, Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. So 
uh, and the lean startup it was all kind of like um not very expensive like uh big uh, it was all quite small and limited in my beliefs um so I- instead of looking at truths or or those values i was i was very much busy building this image around my uh how I came across as an entrepreneur and not living my truth at all. So I think having had some very rough partnerships that ended very badly, big learnings, it really took me back to that first value and be like, okay, no, this was obviously not honesty. This was obviously not truth. You ignored it completely. You learned from it. Now we move on having that value at number one again. And that's like the last two years. So I'm still, I'm still learning, relearning. We can understand. Moving a little more into uh, the healthy eating and how that shaped uh, your journey in the healthy football and in your entrepreneurship and in your, in your life. I think that it's fair also that we try to discuss, or at least that you give your point of view on what defines health when we are talking about food. It's such a clever question, and it's something that I would have answered differently probably every year since I studied nutrition and dietetics. Um, I think also looking at the ever-developing science, uh, which pivots my answer also, I think uh, nutrition can be very scientific or science-based, but also very emotional, cultural, and personal, and I think that's where I landed Uh, that it's personal. Uh, I think health is very personal. I think what works for one individual doesn't necessarily have to work for the other individual. Um, Also, health is not just nutrition. Health is also mental health, wellness, physical in the the broadest form. So, for example, um, biohacking, bringing up uh, cold plunges. Very nice. Uh, Of course, very healthy for the body. But um as a female uh we have a cycle and not every moment in our cycle cold plunges could be most beneficial for us so in definition a cold plunge yes pretty pretty healthy but for every person at every moment no i don't think so same with saunas same with uh, carbs or fats or proteins it's so personal um that that is really i think a trend in food that is gonna be expanding even more we have some very nice companies that are focusing on personalized nutrition i think that is very much where um where we're pivoting even more towards what do you guys stand on that on the personalized nutrition stance um if i have to say personally i believe that there is a goal there that is really fair and that makes a lot of sense because humans we are differently by genetics and also culturally, like a lot of times uh, you cannot ask the same diets to a people, to a person that lives in different uh, parts of the world because of climate, because of uh, yeah, cultural reasons, because of religion. So in my opinion on personalized nutrition is that the goal is really good, but to me it's not really clear yet on how they are putting the means in order to reach that goal. I think it's too complex. And as, uh, for instance, you now they try to get incorporate also the microbiome, but actually that research on the microbiome just starts. Interesting point of view. So also research, but then still not enough data, not enough evidence. And it's also personal, the guts. Oh my goodness. 
exactly and it's also the question what what do people want to give away um because if we are going to go about like personal diets i think the best is also to get into the genetics and uh, into analyzing their blood uh, samples and all these samples and and also there, there is a part of feasibility that for me also results really complex like i could say that is is it shall be our goal to have like everybody a personalized nutrition or shall we be looking for profiles and then not being like completely personalized but maybe trying to have a better or or more defined clusters that some like various things can work for that group because in the end as, as much as personalized nutrition can sound really uh ideal for for what it comes to the most healthy option for each person is the same as when they talk about personalized education for example that then you will need a a teacher for every kid that is is is, is that the goal or is it doesn't make more sense that kids with uh, similar capabilities are teach by taught by the same person or a same uh, following a same strategy yeah that that is what is and I think that, as you said, uh, health is really personal. That is that 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 is a lot of times where the debate around health and food is is uh, is that the fact that health is really personal. Is still, we are still calling things that are healthy for big amounts of people. It is quite contrary, of course, that uh, my business is called Health Food Wall, and we are selling a hundred percent plant-based assortment. And here I am saying health is very personal and emotional and cultural and mental. Uh, but you have to start somewhere. That's that's where I agree. But I believe that there are nutritional principles that probably work. I mean, for example, vitamins that normally have a positive effect on the body. You know, and also we can go to the things that are unhealthy, like. Uh, smoking is more than proof that can cause cancer so uh, that there is this thing that in the end may, maybe it, as much as we say that health is something really personal still we have to try to focus for the things that work for the broadest amount of people that is uh, is possible probably you can make a lot of impact in a small group or make a lot of impact in a big group uh, and we're going really for um just really showing a big group a little bit of uh, of, of a process, you know. Like for us, it isn't about preaching about health. Uh, we are not very um, an, activi- an, an activist uh, organization. I think there are a lot in the plant-based space, and I think they're very necessary to really stir up the conversation. Um, but for us, it was really, okay, the alternative is deep fried, sugar-rich, uh, saturated fat-rich foods. Let's give an alternative that is just as fast, just as easy, healthy, good price, a lot of veggies, to really lower all those bars. And then you end up with this concept that was totally new in 2018. So that was a, a, a bridge to cross. That was a bar. Um, and now we're very much developing on that principle of, okay, we are having a better option. Uh, we're not perfect yet, but how can we improve daily with all the little pillars that is health food wall? Now you said your mission and vision. I'm actually wondering, um, how did this journey of the venture creation started? 
it's really started with this own large annoyance uh, of the out of home market. Uh, so whether I was studying uh, nutrition and dietetics or whether I was traveling through the train stations or at Schiphol Airport, um, uh, there just wasn't anything available with the same speed and efficiency as the natural heritage that is the beautiful brand Fabo. Uh, but it was just so frustrating to me that I knew from my studies that people in general really wish to consume more healthily, more sustainably, more plants. They really do. But because it's mental, emotional, cultural, you have to really lower that bar. Um, and if you have to wait in line for uh, at a salad bar or you have five minutes to wait for your train, you can grab something from the from the wall, then the choice is just not really equal. It's not fair and there you come back to the fairness in in my value chain i was like that's just that's just so annoying why isn't there something with that combination of concepts with health and plant forward and tech that makes it just fast and easy and for me it was such a no-brainer that one day i was like Fun, this is something that that has to be made and if no one does it after some research no one did it yet i was like then then i'll do it then i'll just do it someone has to do it i'll do it <laughs> Can you share a specific moment or experience that made you realize the import, uh, the transformative power of a healthy lifestyle? Mm, it's more so, it's not very a transformative um, event. It's more so that it's such a red line through all these years of entrepreneurship. Um, because it's so personal, um, people really strive to be their best selves. I think that's something most people strive to uh, to be is their best selves. And to feel good makes it possible to be your best selves. So food as part of that wellness uh, chain uh, with, of course, uh, uh, emotional wellness and, and, and physical like exercise uh, wellness. Um, food is such an easy thing to tackle. Um, but it's so difficult as well. So my heart just warms when I hear stories from people that choose a product from our fridges uh, in a hospital, for example, um, or a student that says, oh my goodness, I've been vegan for years and I could, have, I, I could never ever find something to eat uh, at my university. That's, that's ridiculous. So especially in the cure and care sector, where people go to heal, basically. Um, I think there's so much impact to be made. So it's not really uh, a one event. <laughs> Andres, sorry to uh, spin your question a little bit, but it's more so to have a daily conversation with our guests that we're making an impact that shows me, whoa, this is really important what we're doing. Yeah, when I was working in the hospital, like in 2019 as well, like I was perbagasted uh, yeah, by... Uh what uh, the availability was of the of the food there also not only for the patients but also for the people that are coming to visit and i think it's a really nice initiative to put it on those places yeah thank you it's a really nice fit uh, we really see the curing care sector making a switch uh, especially since last year a lot of hospitals are really making strong uh, some pretty bold moves in supplying their patients, uh, their guests and their employees a more healthy, more sustainable diet. It doesn't go, uh, it's not something that happens overnight. 
it's really a transition and I'm just so grateful that I'll be that I'm able to help them make that transition uh, it's it's a privilege really to work with the with the curing care sector it's uh, where you again make a lot of impact in my opinion yeah and along the way you will face challenges um, when trying to make a nutrition and plant-based food as accessible as fast food and how did you actually overcome them that's a bold assumption <laughs> Um, I think um, starting a, st- a startup uh, has its own challenges and then well, when you're growing new challenges arrive and then you think you're you're onto something and you have some you build some proof of market if you're doing the right thing and then you face new challenges and it's just never ending really um, in, in entrepreneurship to have the challenges but I think more um, how do you overcome the fact that there will be never-ending challenges? And that's really, for us, um, facing our demons. Um, Last year, we had the privilege of working together with some amazing experts in this accelerator program from Fastlane, it's called Fastlane from Investinel and Food Valley. And... Our first expert, uh, he really forced us to look uh, into the data and to make uh, zero assumptions, which as startups, we're very good at making assumptions because you're starting a whole business based on an assumption that you'll be successful, basically. So, uh, for example, we grew from uh, two to 10 fridges. And then if someone asked him what phase we are, we would say scale up, right? Because we had two, now we have 10. So scaling up. <laughs> well, that would have been dangerous because we based it all on assumptions. We had about a couple of hospitals, some education and some offices. And if we would have built on that based on assumption, it would have been it would have gone pretty wrong. So for us facing our demons and uh, saying like, okay, this is based on an assumption and not actual facts or data, it was really painful because then you realize, oh, you know, actually, you know nothing. You really thought you had to... But it was it was the most liberating thing as well because now you have data and with data, you can do basically math <laughs> and math leads to formulas and formulas can lead to success. So I'm still having daily challenges, of course, and I'll probably have them until forever. Um, but it's facing them, just just facing them, really. That helps. I, I, I really feel, uh, I, I mean, I find it so relatable when you're speaking about the assumptions because when Shaco and, and I and a couple of friends, we were in our first adventure or our first trial of, of doing a food startup that we at first we had to had so many assumptions and that also led to discussion because it was like but why are you saying this like i, I don't know <laughs> but we have to assume it because otherwise we don't have nothing to to say and so i find it true like yeah the startups ha- are really good at making assumptions that they hope that are true and and then there's a moment where you start to to start to use the the real data it's like that uh, when you're choosing uh, products that you are going to sell in the healthy food world, could you share some insights in the process of choosing the ones that fit the best with your view and idea of what you, we could consider like healthier or, or simply a plant-based option uh, so you can deliver that to your clients, uh, employees or 
any other? Sure. Um, so first and foremost, it has to be 100% plant-based. Um, when we first started Health Food Well, it was vegetarian and vegan because uh, five years ago, just 100% vegan was, would have been too niche. Uh, and we were selling food from a vending automat. That was niche as it was. So that would have been too, too niche. Um, but last year... Yeah, last year we made the, the final pivot towards plant-based. It was the brownie that was still a pain in the in the butt uh, to develop deliciously plant-based um, because of the lack of the egg. But we made it work and it's the most delicious brownie you'll ever taste. So now we're 100% plant-based. So that is uh, uh, one of the requirements. We're trying to eliminate, eliminate additives as much as we possibly can. Um we really focus on flavor, quality, it has to be plant-based, and price. Um, because we're on a mission to lower the bar to choose for a fresh plant-based option in the out-of-home market, price is just really something that we have to focus on because how are you lowering the bar if a big part of society cannot purchase your products, right? So that is something that we're also very aware of, of the price. Um, and of course, it has to be tasteful. Um, of course, we have found along the way those five years that not every product can be sold good from the from the vending automat. For example, the sliced tomatoes, the avocado, you can just forget about that because after a couple of hours, that will look terrible, not appetizing at all. So, of course, we have built this ready-to-eat assortment that is fit and appropriate for the fridge and it's not the same as just any regular ready to eat uh, a menu um, but we're still very much uh, data driven and developing continuously um, to the most optimal uh, a menu and how do you engage with your customers and foster a sense of community with your brand that is, I think, if you're talking about challenges, one of the most challenging things is the whole awareness around freshness and a personal connection with our community because our fridges are an individual point of sale. It's just a fridge. It's very unpersonal, actually. So bridging that has been very difficult. Um we're trying to do it by communicating on the packaging, uh, by building a brand in the um, how the fridges look, the whole fresh experience, right? Um, and we're using the screens. The every fridge has a screen with the menu. We're trying to use that. Uh, we're actually very much developing those features. Uh, so moving towards a more touch screen where you can swipe and. Uh, tell more about the story, about how it's all handmade, how it's all um, uh, plant-based and why, how it's tasty, etc. Uh, but it is actually part of a future vision that we have. Uh, we're currently doing our first investment round to really accelerate our brand and actually to rebrand partly to exactly have that conversation more with our community. And partly why it's so difficult also is because it's, B2B, B2C. So if I'm focusing my marketing or community building mostly on social media, right? On Instagram, for example, then a lot of people will get so excited. Where can I find the fridge? Well, you have to break your leg, go to the emergency, and then at the Erasmus Medi Center, you will have one at the emergency center. Please enjoy your wrap. It's not uh, openly available as a supermarket brand. So first, we have to engage with B2B. 
And that's a whole different communication, building, story than B2C. So uh, it's, yeah, that's, that's a challenge, but it's a, it's a fun one to tackle. If you have advice or if your listeners have advice how to be, build a beautiful, strong B2B, B2C brand, I would love to have a conversation with them. For sure, another option to take uh, some snacks from the healthy football is to catch a plane in Schiphol, no? Because that is a. <laughs> I, I, I have to fly a, a lot of times and I always see it there and I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> so that is always a nice option. Uh, looking uh, into the impact of entrepreneurship uh, and this journey has had in, in your life. Uh, how would you say that has actually impacted your, your personal growth? Mm. Uh, I often say that um, entrepreneurship is, is like a mirror to me. Uh, and it, it probably is to most entrepreneurs. Um, you will get to know your, your, your limits, your capabilities. Uh, you will learn so much about yourself through entrepreneurship. Um, I do not come from an entrepreneurial family. I don't have an entrepreneurial background in studies. So for me, it was a passion product uh, project. Uh, uh, it was just a calling to to change something in this market, and I felt called to do so. Um, so it was really a journey, and every um, every area in the growth, and then the challenges from health football. It brought me new insights about my values, about my capabilities. And if I think about how I thought how hard I worked five years ago versus how hard I work now, it's a total different game. But it doesn't feel too much like hard work uh, anymore. It's just more, it's, it's different. It's just different. Yeah, but I do really enjoy it. But it is very much a commitment, uh, I believe. So if everyone that is trying to decide whether entrepreneurship is for them, uh, I would say, of course, try it out. You don't know if you haven't tried it, right? But uh, be aware that it is a commitment and you will see yourself through a different light, probably via your team, via the assumptions or the meetings you have or the results of your business. I really feel when I'm happy and feeling like the best version of me that I can be at this moment, then that really radiates uh, into the business as well. And when I'm feeling off, then health football will probably have a shit week as well. Can you take actually take us with uh, one big challenge that maybe gave you even, well, but you actually learned unexpected lessons from it in the period of 2020-21 we didn't see uh, the growth that we expected to have uh, before the the pandemic Um, we were very much very from the start i was very ambitious Uh, let that be clear Uh, i always saw this as as a big international project Uh, so when the pandemic hit it really forced us and the whole world, of course, to step back. Um, and that really made me kind of reconsider some values and some ambitions and to really focus more on partnerships and trying out different um, models. And, and it made me very much lose touch of what health football was and should have been. 
And that's fine because it was all learnings. But at that moment, uh, when one particular partnership didn't end up as expected, it just didn't end well. It really forced me to look back and say, okay, is, reconsider really the, the journey with Health Food Wall. For us, it was really a moment for about three months where we really sat together and re, uh, I mean, my uh, uh, the co-founder of Health Food Wall, Tom, and myself, we looked each other in the eye and said, okay, is, is this still what we want? Um, and after those three months of, of reconcile, we were like, well, now I'm about to use a curse word for like, Heck yes, uh, we we are gonna be focusing even more on our true value, our true ambitions, and we're not gonna look back, and we're not gonna look towards the markets and the trends, and not get distracted anymore, and just hundred and ten percent focus on health food wall and the successes. And that was the moment that really pivoted it for us. So regaining the truth again, cycling <laughs> back the truth into the story again. Uh, but not not negotiating your true values uh, in the entrepreneurship. Overall, at the really beginning, you said you have this idea and you have like, oh, this is, I think this is something, this is a really nice idea. But it's really possible that in this, uh, 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 I don't know, like effusivity of sharing your idea with others, then you always can find somebody that's, that, that puts you a face that says, yeah, I don't know if that would ever work. So from your own experience, if you suffer this, how do you face those moments where you find people that do not believe in your idea or actually in some way tries to put it down? Yeah, that was uh, that was mostly the, the, the beginning of health football. Um, I was not confident in my abilities as an entrepreneur in the beginning at all so uh we opened our first location at skipple airport in 2019 it drew a lot of attention it drew a lot of attention from the traditional catering market with the current ruling parties um which are now partners right but back then it was all figuring out like who are you what are you doing and they were very curious to see who this girl what is she doing with this locker automat full with vegan food which was just not on trend as much as it is now so what is she doing and i sought validation from the traditional markets so much that i was willing to make ridiculous offers for collaborations that i i didn't know back then like right now sometimes we have fun looking back in our mailbox from 2018 2019 and we look back on our our proposals and we were like, oh my goodness, we would have ended up bankrupt if this was our, our, our business model, but we just didn't know. We just tried, you know, you just got to try. Um, but I was so insecure. I was so insecure. Yeah. So that really just built, it built. So of course, yeah. Anyone that said, oh, this, what a, what a crap idea. Yeah. I took that personal. I took that personal. Someone didn't show up in a meeting or in the way that I expected. Yeah, I took it very personal. And that is, I think, has to, that has to do with the whole idea of that I didn't trust that I could be myself um, as a young founder with not a lot of experience. Uh, also, the fact that I am still a minority in entrepreneurship that probably had to do something with it. Um, so of course, with time, 
we build validation and we build confidence with that and with all the amazing compliments and press and customer feedback uh, we build that confidence even stronger uh, but it was mostly uh, uh, the last two years, I think, that I started giving less shits and just went like, okay, if I had to do this another 10 to 20 years, I might just have fun and do my own thing, right? And uh, not look at others, just this is my vision and what anyone else really thinks about it, I care less and less about. And I think that's where the vending visionaire kind of came out of her shell <laughs> is that also the advice that you would give uh, aspiring entrepreneurs looking to enter the food industry with a health-focused mission uh, not necessarily of course uh, everyone has their own talents right and of course be true to those talents but I think it's a very healthy process to doubt yourself a little bit or to not be sure in the beginning uh, that goes back to the validation of uh, assumptions if you assume that you have the most amazing idea and you'll be a multi-millionaire in two years and then it could be very healthy to sometimes uh, fact check that and check yourself a little and be like mm, maybe not or maybe not in the way that i expected so i think a little bit of that healthy self-criticism can be very good for a beginning or starting entrepreneur. I don't think that's an unhealthy thing, but I do think that if you let it get out of hand, that voice, that it can become very limiting. And then once you adapt that as your true personality, I think there's where a lot of talent and innovation goes to waste. So I think it's a healthy balance, especially at first. And then once you have your kind of proof, you build a little bit of the market fit, you're like, okay, yeah, I got something here. Then just then just ignore everyone and just do your thing. Because that's that, I think that's very fun. I think that's where the inspiration is. And I think that's where the innovation really is. Looking ahead to the future, uh, what's one big dream slash goal you want to achieve although although if it's crazy because sometimes uh, you can have something in your head and and you say you don't want to say it because it sounds impossible but i think that that is also what makes it uh, really interesting yeah no i don't i don't really believe in limits i believe if you can dream it you can you can do it uh if you can um see it in your heart you can hold it in your hands that's that's one of my favorite quotes just once you feel that you have something, then you can manifest it into reality with the right people, with the right intention and with hard work. Um, so no, there are no limits. But for me, it would be such a dream to uh, be an inspiration in the traditional industry. I think worldwide catering is kind of changing after the, the pandemic uh, with the trends on sustainability, flexibility, uh, personalized nutrition, sustainable nutrition, health, diets, um, they're all growing. And I think there is such a beautiful position for traditional catering to have, where there is a personal contact with the customers, where there is really this um, extension of branding and, and the vision of a caterer. And for me, it would just be a dream to inspire that whole industry with a new way of supplying fresh, healthy, sustainable, plant-forward food, and to really not think about vending as a vending machine with, with, the, with the candy bars and, and sodas, but to really 
re inspire that vending concept. Um, but looking at it as a, it's just tech. It's just a way to supply the food. And we can reimagine that in very different ways. And you have to really follow Health Food Vault to learn how we're going to pivot and reimagine the whole vending part. Um, but yeah, just to be an inspiration in such a big market and such a big industry, that would make me very happy. And uh, if you could have the chance to place the health food wall on any anywhere, where would it be and why? Goodness, sure, that's such a difficult question. I was not prepared. At the beginning of health food wall, when I just started it, it would it would have been Schiphol Airport. That was like my five year goal, uh, and it was my first. It became my first. So we scratched that off the list at the beginning. So it's ah. It's, I don't, I'm so happy with any location really because the impact that we make and I do not discriminate at all in who can enjoy the fresh, healthy food. Anyone should be able to do it. That, that's all our mission. Anyone should be able to enjoy it. Um, but a dream at the moment, or actually it's a goal, um, would be to uh, reopen Health Food Wall because we're, pivoting towards a rebranding to really spectacularly put that whole rebranding into the market. So shiny lies being like, here we are, this is the health food well 2.0. And when the press is there and everyone in the industry is like, holy moly, whoa, that. So it's, it's like a industrial setting. Lights are there. That would be my favorite location. <laughs> really nice. We always like to hear from our guests, what are their thoughts on trends and innovations that are happening or that they foresee in the future of the food landscape? So for you as as an entrepreneur in, with a health and sustainable point of view, what are these trends that, that are more exciting for you? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think what we're seeing these days is a lot of critical notes on the plant-based movements, uh, especially in the B2C market, retail, uh, but also a little bit in the B2B market, um, especially in the Netherlands, actually. Uh, I don't know why the Netherlands is so critical, uh, but maybe it's just being overhyped and now we're kind of uh, having a new balance. Um, but I really see and notice this trend where the more sustainable um, movement, but meat eaters really shake hands with uh, the plant-based movement that is not very activists. You know, I try to really soften it because I think the activist, yeah, I think the activists really have a place. Um, but I think having an open conversation with each other is the way to go at the moment. Um, I think that we're both, all camps are striving towards a sustainable future. And if you're canceling each other out because your stance is a little bit different from the other and you're not willing to talk, then I think a lot of impact has gone lost. Um, so having this conversation, be like, okay, you're eating vegan. That's great. I'm eating uh, a, a local, uh, from a local butcher, I eat some meat, but we're both striving towards less 
massive farms and, and stuff like that, then, okay, great, you're both making an impact on your own way. I think that's a trend that we're really seeing. Um, and also that plant-based food, it's, it's getting a little bit more normalized, right? Where it first was a trend five years ago. Now it's like, okay, obviously on your menu you have plant-based. So now it's more like plant-based, what else? So how's your supply chain? How's your packaging? Is it plastic? How's your flavor? What, what, you know, the sustainability around it is getting more important. And we're really focused on that at the moment. We're also constantly questioning, okay, we're vegan, but that is just one step in the whole pyramid of sustainability. So what else? What else? So we do a lot of things with food waste, for example, using the software for that. We're looking in how to optimize customer satisfaction. Uh, just really building that whole brand around health awareness, sustainable awareness, um, opening that conversation again, uh, because our uh, target group mostly is a flexitarian. Uh, so that's why um, I struggled a little bit with the, with the answering, but it's juggling a lot of camps and being a plant-based brand and really being there for our plant-based customers and understanding their point of view, but also being there for the customer that enjoys a piece of meat on Friday, but chooses a vegan diet when they're at the office or at the university where we are. I think, I think that's, that's my personal stance is that there's, there's room for both as long as you're both uh, agreeing that we should focus on the sustainability long-term. And I also think that the quality of the products gets more important, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the plant-based innovation, it always gets me laughing a little bit. There are so many plant-based fried foods available. <laughs> it's like people just don't trust that you don't have to deep fry something to taste good that it's vegan. Like I enjoy the vegan bitterbala. I enjoy them as much as anyone else. But is that the best we can do? You know, I understand it's, you know, it's, it's it's lowering the bar and starting with something that everyone enjoys. I totally understand it and appreciate it because it had made impact on the Friday middag bottles. But okay, plant-based is more normalized. What else can we do? And then yes, hiring the quality or being more conscious about the quality is definitely a trend and important. We have a new tradition to this podcast, and that is that uh, our previous guest leaves a question to our next guest. Um, so the guest that our previous guest gives to you is, how can we find a middle ground between creating healthy and sustainable food production systems, considering aspects such as nutritional value, minimal processing, and the use of wholesome ingredients, while still meeting the dynamic demands of and preferences of consumers? <laughs> Well, thank you, previous. <laughs> That's a golden egg answer, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, I think a whole boring answer, but I think it's based in truth, will be uh, collaborations. Uh, I think not one organization has uh, created the answer to uh to to convenience uh, a large scale local supply chain healthy it's it's all it's a lot we're all fighting for the same thing i think and a lot of beautiful organizations in the netherlands really um bring entrepreneurs together to have that conversation with each other and how can we help each other like you have a supply chain you have a, a, an operational uh, factory let's work together i think that's the answer short term because it's that's a difficult question it's a good one though <laughs> what do you think Shaco? 
I have really there's there's no one gold answer to this, right? It's it's too complex as you already mentioned. Um, but I think collaboration, and that's indeed coming back also to your previous story, with, which you with our trends that looking uh, looking over all the fields, so not looking okay, this is vegan or like promoting that side. Or I think that overall we have to promote the ones that are creating a better uh, world in the end or making the impact in the food system. Yeah. True, very true. Well, now we have a really important question uh, that we believe that uh, we always want to know this from our guests. Is, Anouk, what is your favorite food or dish or food product? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a very important question indeed. I love uh, a lot of foods, really. I think... A requirement for me is that it is um, as much in season as it can be. So I I enjoy I enjoy it when there are pears in season again. I enjoy it when there are raspberries in season. I I, I, I last week I had something that was just amazingly delicious, and that was a Dutch grown passion fruit. And because it was Dutch grown, um, it could ripen 10 weeks longer than the ones we have in the supermarket. No words. It was the most delicious delicious passion fruit I've ever had in my life. So there's my answer. There's my answer. Cool, cool. Very nice. Thank you. What about you guys? Because obviously I want to know. Well, we answered this in our first podcast, actually, <laughs> uh, but I, I will answer again. And, I, and of course, you have to choose between a big amount of things and in different categories, I will give you different answers, but I'm going to stick to paella since I'm Spanish and I am and I, the one of my grandmother, probably is the, the, the best one, really close to one of my father that is getting really, really good at, at it. For me, it's very basic, but it's a thing that I'm always... Yeah, I always want to grab it when I come back from vacation. That's just peanut peanut butter. In the cast. When on one hundred percent peanut butter, anyways. But uh, yeah, like that. Just with a spoon, just enjoying yeah. a spoonful. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And is there something that we didn't discuss, but you actually want to mention? I think it was very thorough. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think we really covered uh, a lot from our business case and also a lot from my entrepreneurship. I didn't expect that, but it was a pleasant surprise. Talking Normally, I talk a lot about health football, um, but less about myself. So I really enjoyed that. So thank you for creating that space to share with other listeners and entrepreneurs and foodies. So I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Uh, we thank you for your wisdom and passion. I mean, in the end, it's a conversation that just floats. And it's an inspiring story so far. And um, yeah, your innov- innovative approach with the health food well, is something that we really need. So thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thank you, Shaco and Andres, for creating the space. Then uh, I also want to thank our listeners for joining us in this uh, journey and this uh, conversation. And if you find today's episode as inspiring as we did, Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review and share with your friends, of course. Your support keeps us going. Yeah, before maybe leaving, Anouk, do you want to share where like, where the, our listeners can know about the healthy football, if they should go to website or, or social media? 
Ah, uh, well, because of the rebranding, we're rebranding our website soon. Um, but of course, you can find us uh, at www.healthfootball.com uh, or Instagram. But I always really prefer just a personal message. Uh, you can find me at info at healthfootball.com. And I much prefer it to hear the feedback directly from you guys. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for that. Well, then, thank you for the conversation, Anu. Welcome. Thank you, guys.